we should call this uh, State of the Union American Health. Good? Hello and welcome to episode two of the Restoring Human Podcast. I'm your host, Jarek Bakken. And I'm Dr. Al Chaguello. And here we are, second round here. Yeah. Did you listen back to the first one in full? I did. I thought it was the best podcast I've ever heard in my life. Maybe not the best uh, sounding podcast though, so I've got a couple updates here. Uh, new setup going on. I have a big mic here rather than a silly little one, so expect the quality here to be exponentially better if you haven't already noticed in the first few seconds. Always growing. That's right. Uh, I guess I didn't even really think about this. Exciting news. I have some letters yeah. for my name now. Heck yeah. Officially CFL1. We have to redo the first podcast. No, no. This is real time. <laughs> uh, I got my, I don't know, letter of approval from uh, being a CrossFit level one trainer now. Those words are very specific. Not a certification CrossFit level one trainer. Awesome. Anyway. Congrats. Thank you, sir. Our topic for today, State of the Union, American Health. Yeah. Big, big topic. So I, I think how we came up with this is we were just, you know, as we kind of laid out in the first episode, um, just really where our hearts were at, what we were wanting to do with this podcast, uh, we felt like the next step was, okay, well, really, why should people listen to this? You know, what... What is the big deal about um, health? And uh, we wanted to kind of, I guess, bring some awareness to, to that today um, with getting some specific statistics out there, but just kind of a general education of, of how it really is. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that was eye-opening for me is when I went to, um, well, I guess it was about, probably about a year into to chiropractic school, I started to do some screening, some health screenings for doctors. And uh, so I would travel to different towns where these doctors were practicing and they would set up booths where I would go and I would just check people's spines and then give them an idea of how their symptoms that they had were related to potentially um, issues with their spine. Um, but the, of course, I was learning how to communicate chiropractic to people and then that was good. But every, every doctor that I talked to in the beginning would say, the biggest thing that you're going to get from these screenings is you're going to realize how, how sick people actually are. And uh, I didn't really know what they meant until I did some of the screenings. And on these, what we would call a health survey, they would, there was probably, uh, I don't know, 15 to 20 symptoms that they could circle, whether it was neck pain, back pain, headaches, menstrual issues, digestive problems, asthma, all those different things. And I would say, again, this is just kind of off the top of my head, but the average for an adult was probably at least 10 of those symptoms that they experienced. A total of what? Out of about 20 symptoms that we, we listed out. Um, and, and I'm talking to thousands of people, right? So whether I was at a mall, I was at a health fair, I was at a car show, a home show, whatever, I might talk to a hundred people in a day. And again, the average was probably 10 symptoms. So that's, they have neck pain and back pain and digestive problems and, and sleep issues and irritability and, and all these different things. So, um, that was when I kind of first realized that yes, people are really, really sick. And uh, I think this is becoming more, more and more common knowledge. Um, 
since I opened up, I've been doing talks, um, whether it's a dinner talk or just a, a topical workshop that I do in my office. And I always tend to start off with asking the question is, how are we doing in America when it comes to health? And I've never, ever had somebody tell me we're doing great. So that's even just, you know, a lay person that doesn't know anything about health and doesn't spend most of their time thinking about health, mm -hmm. they know that the United States is doing very poor when it comes to health. So I figured we needed to talk about that topic a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. So uh, where I wanted to kind of go with this is just kind of starting off with some statistics. Um, so I just went to the CDC website and said, hey, how many people struggle with different types of diseases or health issues? And the first one is arthritis. So why I went arthritis is, well, because it starts with an A, and that was the first thing on the list. Um, <laughs> but it's also one of the leading causes of disability in the United States, um, meaning somebody has a job or they have an activity, activity of daily living that they, they need to do to just function in life. And because of their arthritic symptoms, now they no longer can do that. Um, so the statistics right now, and of course, statistics are always old because by the time they do the study, by the time they get it out in an actual um, on paper so that people can read it, it's a couple years later. But 22% of American adults, so that's about 55 million people, have some form of arthritis. 50% of those people have a physical limitation, meaning they can't get out of bed without struggle. They can't do yard work. They can't exercise. They can't play with their grandkids. They can't do some sort of heavy lifting at work. So do, do their, their job. 50% of those people. Now that's just people that have actually went to the doctor because they've had some sort of problem or maybe just their yearly checkup that they have. And they've had some sort of diagnosis from a doctor. That's not talking about all the people that don't go to doctors that potentially have some problems. So here's some more information on that. There's a study done on people that are asymptomatic, but they actually looked at their spinal health. And here's what this said. It said that 37% of 20-year-olds are asymptomatic, but they have disc degeneration. So that means a joint in their spine is arthritic and it's degenerating. That's almost 40% of 20-year-olds. 30% of 20-year-olds have a disc bulging. Basically, what that means is they've done so much damage to their spine, it's led to degenerative change in arthritis, and now they actually have disc bulges. Um, and then all the way up to 96% of asymptomatic 80-year-olds have disc degeneration. So almost 100% of people when you get into your 80s might not be feeling the problem, but they have some form of arthritis that's keeping them from doing some form of activity of daily living. So of course, we're going to get into some other conditions, but that's kind of the start, just some eye-opening stuff of, you know, kind of what the state of the health, you know, the state of our well-being in the United States right now. Yeah. So I guess the first thing that I'm thinking about when you bring up all of those numbers and you're talking about something specific like arthritis and these symptoms of arthritis. I guess talk a little bit about kind of the typical symptom treatment model versus what you really believe is kind of like underlying cause. 
Yeah, great question. So, um, well, typical uh, approach, let's just kind of typical male American, let's think that way. They, uh, they do something to their body that causes it to be under stress, so it leads to joints degenerating and building arthritic change, um, which is just stress, amount of stress to a joint, most likely a joint that's not moving properly, a joint that's not in alignment, and they continue to do the work, they continue to cause the stress. So whether that causes pain or not, if you're a male in America, you most likely the first approach is to just try to tough through it, right? It's just try to ignore it. Maybe That's right, dang it. Maybe self-medicate, right? Um, to try to get rid of the pain, but uh, our minds are powerful, so people can just kind of push through that. Second approach would be taking some sort of over-the-counter medication, right? Some non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or NSAIDs or what they're called. So um, that's just the thing you can go and buy at the drug drugstore and take to get rid of some of the inflammation, right? So arthritis is just inflammation of your joints. So taking anti-inflammatory would mean that's just going to get rid of that inflammation. So if they can do that and just get rid of that inflammation, they can continue to work and do their, their activities of daily living, then that's where most people go. But if it continues to progress, which if you're not fixing the cause of the problem, it's going to progress, um, then that's when they would go to a doctor, of course, and get maybe a stronger anti-inflammatory um, or some sort of steroid treatment, um, painkillers, you know, just goes down the road of those type of things. So the approach, just like um, so many other health conditions um, with something like arthritis is let's manage the symptoms, mm -hmm. right? What is it causing you as far as pain, discomfort, and let's manage those symptoms so hopefully you can, of course, not experience the pain anymore, but also be able to do the stuff that you need to do throughout the day without pain, which is great, right? We don't want people to be in pain, um, and we don't want people to, to not be able to do the stuff that they want to do every day. Um, but the second part, I guess, of your question would be, how can we figure out why this person is struggling with this pain? Why is there inflammation there in the first place and be able to address it? Um, I guess that's a pretty, that's going to be a complex answer. So no, that's <laughs> good. Though. That's go. good. That leads me directly into my next question because I was going to mention how if people are watching the video version, you've noticed that Alex is awkwardly standing a little bit sideways and not facing the camera. That's primarily because I've got this little short cord here and I need to buy a new cable before we do another episode. But uh, it's also because we're standing here for a reason. There's two couches literally right here that we could be sitting on, but uh, I'm making a... In you know, intentional decision for us to always be standing here in these episodes and to show that we're doing this standing up because, uh, talking about this is great, arthritis for one of these first things, especially when you're talking about something like a bulging disc, uh, this sitting culture that we live in being a really, you know, big factor when talking about something like this. So, yeah. Yeah. You go on where you're well, going next. Well, there. and that goes to back to what I said of, of, you know, so the itis part of arthritis is, is the, the, where we get the inflammatory part of it. So any word that ends in itis, all that means is this inflammation of whatever the first part of the word is. So this is inflammation of the joints. So the two main things that cause that inflammation of the joint, of course, there can be some sort of genetic component to that where there's a predisposition to that form of a health issue. But 
it's lack of movement and misalignment, right? So if you are sitting all day long, number one, you're putting your, your joints, you're putting your, your body in a position that it wasn't really intended to do for long periods of time. So that's kind of the improper alignment, right? And then if you're sitting all day long, you're also not moving. You're sedentary all day long. So kind of the two things that would lead to arthritic change in a joint are, uh, are you're hap- that's happening when you're when you're sitting all day long yeah. at a job. So when you're standing, of course you're not. You, that's of course everybody stands. So that is more of a um, being in alignment, being in the proper position um, that we're supposed to be in. But we're also moving most of the time, right? We're swaying back and forth. We're walking around. We're doing. Yeah. We're the, not just stationary. The poster at the doctor's office, the anatomical position. Yeah. 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 No, of course, there's injuries and stuff. If you have injuries that have caused the, the joint to misalign, if you have for healing purposes of that joint needs to, to not move for a while, those type of things, that's one thing. And that's maybe a, a, an area that we cannot avoid, um, but we can minimize that, right? And we can get back to doing the things that are going to help our bodies um, heal and um, function better uh, over time. But with these statistics, how many people actually have these um, are struggling with arthritis? I mean, that's I guess that's a sign that we're not addressing the cause of the problem. We're just kind of allowing these things to happen, continuing to have a lifestyle that promotes it, and then not addressing that lifestyle. We're just addressing the the what the symptoms that come from that lifestyle, the effects of a bad lifestyle. For sure. So, and I think that's where I think my perspective is possibly helpful here so you know you're educated you're a doctor like you can sit here and talk about breaking down the terminology of arthritis and what these words mean let alone the actual uh, biology and stuff that's going on when those things are happening but for me it's like it's a behavior thing I'm just a regular human and for me to know that okay sitting all day is not a good idea. So I can change my behavior and stand as much as possible and move as much as possible. And like that, I understand. Sure. You know, I might not understand everything that you were talking about about like you know what causes arthritis and like the real intricate details of what's going on inside my body when like a problem like that happens. I understand, okay, you know, my back hurts or like my knees hurt or that kind of stuff I get. And so for me to have something broken down as simple as, hey, like all this sitting that you're doing, this is a big cause. Like that even makes more sense to me than like taking an anti-inflammatory. Like that, that is just logically makes more sense. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's... Most most lifestyle choices that we're going to go through um, in this podcast are pretty simple, yeah. right? They might not be super simple to um, implement all at once, but picking and choosing things like you just said. Oh, he's, they say move more. I can do that, right? Um, if it's eating in a certain way, okay, I can start to add more of those type of foods in my diet. I can avoid more of those type of foods in my diet. Most of it is kind of simple. It's not, you don't have to have a huge understanding, um, of, of health and biology, physiology, just how the body works. Um, I like that stuff. That's why I like to talk about it really. Um, and I think it's helpful for some people to have an understanding of it, but yeah, 
our goal for this is to try to make it as simple as possible for people. Yeah, and, and I would agree. Like, I've found a new interest in things like this, but I also, I don't, I don't really want to become formally educated because I think there's a lot of value in like people who are average Joes making informed decisions enough to create change. You know, it's, it's one thing for you and your family to, you know, look a certain way and make certain decisions, having a huge amount of knowledge and information about something, but like being able to just be a regular guy and, you know, not know absolutely everything about, you know, the benefits I might be receiving from standing all day. Like the fact that it's, I understand it as this is a good idea. Like, I think that's enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the simple, the more simple, the, the, I guess the recommendation is the highly likely that somebody's going to follow that instead sure. of something crazy. But let's continue with this arthritis thing. Cause I think what we've talked about, of course, is a big deal, but I think it leads into something that's, that's bigger. So, um, the cost of arthritis is about $130 billion per year. And they think by 2040, uh, because it's going to go up to about 78 million people will have arthritis. It's going to go up to about $210 billion per year. And 50% of those I've already said have some sort of physical limitation. Now they know that physical limitations leads to inactivity. Inactivity leads to degenerative or, or what they know as chronic diseases. Now we're talking about diabetes. We're talking about heart disease. We're talking about cancers. We're talking about even Alzheimer's. Those things, I think everybody would agree they want to avoid those as much as they possibly can. So just this one thing, right? Of not addressing a simple lifestyle choice to have your best chance of avoiding something like arthritis so that you can, you, you're not limited in what you can do physically, um, is, has a huge impact on those bigger, those bigger diseases. So this is from what they call healthy, um, people 2020. They say by 2030, 20% of our population is going to be 65 years or older. So that means that's a lot of people that have lived at least 65 years 65 years is a long time to not live the right way and to damage your body. Yeah. Right. So the more people we have that are over 65 that have not lived the proper lifestyle means the more sick people we're going to have, the more people that's going to cost us, um, in healthcare dollars, um, ending up in nursing homes, having other people take care of them. Unfortunately, one fourth of all Americans have some sort of chronic disease. Two out of three 60 people that are 65 or older, have multiple chronic conditions. That's craziness. Two out of three people that are over 65 have multiple chronic conditions. Now, we spend about $2.7 trillion every single year on healthcare in the United States. 66% of that is spent on those people, on the people that are over 65 years old with multiple chronic conditions. So not only are we changing people's lives by helping them live a, a better lifestyle so they're not ending up in that position, but we're saving the country uh, a lot of money because that's, there's no way that's going to be able to continue. Yeah. So the, the money thing is a huge part of this and I definitely want to go there. But the first thing that I'm thinking about right now, because you're talking about people who are you know 65 and older and a lot of these things aren't going to necessarily manifest themselves until later in life. 
But like you were just saying, it's years and years and years of damage that is being created. Mm -hmm. So what then do you say to a 28-year-old guy who looks fairly skinny, you know, doesn't have any major health concerns, might have some teeth problems, like this may or may not be a real case no <laughs> real scenario here <laughs> like but for real what like what's what's the hook why why nothing is apparently wrong you know yeah. a little ding and dent here yeah you know need to get a tooth removed like that's not the biggest deal like yeah. what why does this how does somebody even like start to care about this right so uh, what i'm hearing you ask me is how do you convince somebody who is <laughs> in their mind healthy and you tell them when you get 65 you're going to be you know sick and suffering and miserable and potentially die early like that doesn't unfortunately that doesn't tend to impact somebody enough to to make a change so that's a tough question and i think most doctors and for sure most holistic minded doctors who who can see the f people's future when they look at their current state of health because they're not just trying to address symptoms they're trying to say how can we address the cause and get you living a better lifestyle they have been trying to figure out how to convince people to, to do something different with their health for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that the answer to that question. Um, what I try to do is I try to make it real, right? Cause I just went through some statistics. Um, but people don't really unfortunately care about statistics. They don't, they hear 22% or 50, even 55 million people struggle with arthritis. But if they can actually hear that and then think, okay, this is my dad and see what, where he's at and how he struggles and how it's impacted his life and even maybe his family's life, yeah. um, then that has a bigger, bigger impact on, on people. So I, I think that's really the only direction you can go. Um, unfortunately, in, in the seven years that I've been um, helping people with their health as a doctor, uh, people tend to not do anything about their health unless they have a serious health issue. There's very few people that will say, oh, this could happen to me, mm -hmm. so therefore I need to do something. It's, I'm going to be fine, and then when they have something happen to them, now they want to do something. And then, even then, most people don't, still don't do what they're supposed to do for their health. Yeah. So last week, you talked a little bit about how, like, what kind of got you into this realm, and it was, yeah, a personal experience that, like, kind of forced you into figuring something out. You you know, you got sick and you found a solution that was working a lot better than what this profitable, we'll get there, this profitable answer was. Uh, do you think you would have changed anything without that happening? No, absolutely not. I mean, again, before I got sick for the first 23 years of my life, I never really thought about health. I just assumed I was healthy. And I think it's, again, it goes back to the philosophy that we, we hit on a little bit last week, and, and we'll just continue to, to drip this to hopefully help people have a better understanding of this. But kind of the, the philosophy, to put it simply, that Americans have on health is I'm healthy until I have a symptom or I get diagnosed with some disease, and then therefore I'm, I become sick. And then now it's just I have to manage that sickness or disease for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, it's not... I was created to be healthy and there's things that are required of me daily to maintain that health and, and maybe even improve that health if something goes wrong um, to just get back to, again, the natural way that a, that a human was, was created to live. 
um, we just, it's, I forget, it's like it all goes back to philosophy. It's, again, back to those talks that I do. I always ask questions so that people can have a better understanding when they're, they're, it's feedback. It's not just me talking at them. And I always ask another question. I say, what's your definition of health? And every single time people say, it's based off of how I feel. Yeah. When I wake up in the morning, if I feel good, I'm healthy. And the only way I'm going to do something about my health is if I'm not feeling good. Or the only way I'm going to do something about my child's health is if they're not feeling good. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something that has really been trained for us to think. Um, so the 20-year-old guy that doesn't really have anything wrong with him will just continue to live a poor lifestyle because he doesn't see what's going to happen to him in the future. Well, that's been taught to him by whatever parents or healthcare providers that says you are fine until you have a symptom. So it's, it's going to take a, a big shift at first of just having an understanding of how health actually works if they're going to be motivated to do anything different. Yeah. So I think for me, I obviously had the whoops, symptom of being overweight. You know, I didn't, again, I didn't think I was like sick, but I had this one thing I could clearly see like, okay, it's probably not good for me to be carrying around all this extra weight. So I did something about that. And then from there, yeah, I started to find interest in all this other stuff and learning more and more about what health really meant and like that got me into. So yeah, I guess it was a a personal experience of dealing with some type of symptom, not necessarily what I would classify as sickness, although like we can go on about obesity being more and more of this kind of sign of probably much bigger problems that are going on, but yeah. 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 I mean, back to your question to me. Um, and again, we hit on this in, in episode one, like even though I know more than 90% of the country about how to live a healthy lifestyle, like I feel like it's still just ingrained in me to not live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Right. So now you're adding on another layer of, again, the dude that's just thinks he's fine because he's feeling okay. And he hears, this is what you should do differently for your health. If, if it's not causing you a symptom now, it's going to lead to something down the road. Like I know 100% what I do is going to lead to something bad, but sometimes, sometimes sure. it's, it's, it's tough to avoid. So, um, okay. So a, apart from your symptoms, then I guess, is there anything else that you feel like is driving you to make decisions that you do? I, cause I, th- I, sorry, this is kind of a, what do you call that? A leading question. Like, I feel like I have an answer to this, but I want to see what you have to say. Okay. Well, you're going to have to rephrase your question for me to. So to like you, you don't experience the symptoms that led you to like discover oh, yeah. okay. these things. Like you don't experience those things every day. So as far as day to day, is there anything else that you like find, I guess, motivation in? Yeah. No, I mean, I would have to think about that more, but. Like when, so when you do live a lifestyle that's more in alignment with the, the way we feel like humans are supposed to live, you feel a certain way. So then it does come back to feeling. So you feel a certain way, you, you have a certain amount of energy, you require a certain amount of sleep, um, your brain you functions in a certain way. So if you get away from that lifestyle a little bit, um, you do start to have symptoms. They might not be, again, full-blown digestive symptoms mm-hmm. or you know, allergy-type symptoms or yeah. severe pain, but it is just a little bit of a shift where you're like, okay, I'm going down this road, and if I don't stop, it's going to get it's gonna get a lot worse. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's probably the, the big thing. 
that in again my wife when she sees me doing something that I shouldn't do she's very good at saying hey this isn't something or she she might not even tell me I just notice that she's choosing to do something that maybe I'm not choosing to do so then I take that as a sign that says hey okay she's trying to tell me something here get back on track with yeah. how we live how about your kids my kids it's very clear um and I haven't quite figured this out why if it's just because their um, bodies function in a different way than other kids that I that I um take care of or if it's something in our genetics or what but if they do if they have really one day of eating poorly or not sleeping or not moving right if they're just stationary all day long just anything that gets away from our typical lifestyle we know yeah. Right. Thankfully, because in the past seven, well, I guess nine years, um, Emily's parents and my parents, we've had a, a bunch of discussions and they've been very gracious to us and what we've asked of them to um, do when our kids are with them. And it's it's just been a dramatic change of what they used to do when our kids were with them and, and what they do now. Um, but it used to be like we would know for sure we could tell when they were at grandma's house. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. coming back, yeah. you know, there would be sleep problems. They would be irritable. They would, you know, be sneezing all the time and, and or they would, you know, have some sort of cold or flu. Um, Call that grandparent detox at our house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it's my, my parents know about it. Sure. And it, again, we've seen radical change. Um, but again, as you the longer you live a lifestyle, um, again, that we're trying to, to educate people on. Um, the, the quicker, I guess, symptoms for lack of a better word, signs come on so that you can see, Hey, if you can continue to do this, things are going to be really, really bad. Mm-hmm. The problem with that with kids is we get, we hear this all the time from our kids is dad, I have friends that don't do, eat like this ever, yeah. but they don't ever, they're never sick. And that's a tough question to answer. Right. Um, <clears throat> And I've, I've tried to do it in, in a number of different ways, but again, it goes back to maybe they're not, maybe they're not experiencing symptoms right now, but if they continue to, to live like that, then at some point something's going to happen bad sure. to them. Yeah. So yeah, that's really good. I think another thing I definitely want to hit on is like, especially for us and one of the things that we touched on last week that might be unique compared to other people that are just talking about health and, you know, how to live a longer life or avoid disease or avoid pain or whatever is, uh, like, why do you even want to live a longer life? And why do you even, you know, care about, like your time here on earth, I guess. So you can take a stab at that and I can go if you don't have anything. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it, that, for me, it's, it's, it's helping people flourish, right? Um, yeah. It is knowing for us, again, being, being Christian men, we desire to honor God in everything that we do. So um, I feel like God's put me in a position to learn this lifestyle and I've seen how living this lifestyle has been good for me and good for my family and even good for, for other people that I've educated. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I, I just, I guess I, I see how the change, the positive change in, in people's lives when they do live this certain lifestyle based off how they feel, how they function, their relationships, their um, mental capacity, all of those different things. So for somebody to just say, I'm fine now and I don't care, you know, if I die 10 years earlier, um, that's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm not, right. yeah, that would be great if you live 10 years longer than, than, um, most people are living, but what is the quality like, right? What are, what is the quality of every single day that you have? Um, are you, you struggling again with arthritic type problems? Are you having allergies all the time? Do you have digestive problems all the time? Cause I think it's difficult cause people, again, we just, for some reason we get used to, to having things. So you could have something significant that's seriously Im- negatively impacting your life but you get so used to it you don't even notice it anymore and that's what I'm I feel like one of my biggest jobs is to try to bring awareness to that right to help people see you know this is not a way you, you don't have to live like this yeah right you can things can be much better you can enjoy things to a higher degree um, you know if you have this this better lifestyle yeah and I think especially coming from the perspective that like as Christians, like we don't fear death, no. you know, right. you, you don't fear like not being a part of this physical life here, but that doesn't, that doesn't bring us to a place of like saying, well, whatever seize the day. Let's live, live how I want to now. Right. Right. No, yeah. Not even close. I mean, um, I think that, Again, back to just the honoring of God. To me, that's not honoring to God. You know, to me, that to, to say that I don't really care about my physical body or my mental um, capacity, which is a gift that God's given you for this life, um, in addition to the next, is to, is to just say, well, you know, this isn't something. Somewhat saying this isn't something that that God is in control of, or that this is God's. You know, I, I feel like our, our bodies, our minds, our our um, spirits, of course, are all. God's in charge of all that stuff. It's his. So to honor him in, in all of those areas, I feel like is what we're called to do. So now, like I said in the first podcast, we could be completely wrong about what yeah. we're recommending that is honoring to God in that way. But this is what we feel like is the right way to, to honor God with our health. Sure. And I think I think that in and of itself is a whole new topic that we could definitely dive into very, very deep. Um, so we don't have time to cover everything today. This is only week two. Um, but hey, let me say one more thing about the, uh, and I'm trying to think of a kind of an analogy to this, but I'm not very good at analogies. But <laughs> if, uh, if, if somebody told you that half of all men were, if, if they crossed the 74 bridge and half if not, of, if you're not from the quad cities, that's a, just a big bridge here. Yeah, that's so we're in the Quad Cities, right? There's two cities in, in Iowa, two cities in Illinois, so many of us go back and forth. Um, if you, if half of all men crossed the 74 bridge every day of their life, were going to die from somehow crossing that bridge. Like that was the reason they died, crossing that bridge. Do you think people would take that lightly and cross the bridge with no? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, half of all men will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their life. And there's very clear evidence that says there's things that you can do with your lifestyle that can prevent pretty much every cancer that's out there. But 
again, it's tough for people to choose and, and to even think about that. Like yeah. they couldn't, that they can do anything about that. And I think it's because it's not been made real to them. Again, that's just a statistic, but yeah, that's why I tried to, to come up with a, and I don't know how good that analogy was, but no, I, I, I totally get that. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think another thing that even if like you yourself or, you know, you listening, whoever, like you don't have necessarily symptoms that you are experiencing. I think we all have people we love in our lives who are of these ages and are experiencing certain things. And I know that's something that I've kind of just recently like realized is a big deal for me. Um, so my, my dad's dad died when he, when my dad was in high school. So I never met him, died of a heart attack. Um, and like, you know, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, put together how much that meant to me until like now I have kids and like they have, they, like they know my dad yeah, and like, he's one of the you know greatest people in their lives. Sure. Well, so also similar to that, my dad's brother has, so he's, you know, fifties, maybe I think he just turned 60. Um, he has early onset Alzheimer's and yeah his daughter just had her first baby and so like she's never gonna know like that you know grandpa yeah and so like those are things that i didn't even realize i cared about until like i was like faced with them now especially like having my own kids like i think there's a reality that can happen there without you experiencing things yourself and for me to see like okay like i have a responsibility to my family and we're getting more into that um you know worldview of my responsibility with my family but like i feel that responsibility with my family to do whatever i can to be around here as long as possible yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean and even there's a situation with you that you just said he's one of the the most this most special people in their lives right now. Like if he was totally sick, even if he was going to live another 20 years, but Mm -hmm. if he was losing, you know, like the Alzheimer's situation, losing memory, or if he was, you know, bedridden in wheelchair, like that's limiting him to do a lot of the stuff that he does now with your, with your kids. Yeah. So yeah, when you dive into health and, and the impact that having that being sick has on people, it's it's really eye-opening, and hopefully we did some of that today, opened some people's eyes, and we'll continue to do with this podcast. Yeah, so we were going to kind of talk about the whole money issue here with, you know, the economics of disease, basically. Uh, do you want to hit on that, or should we save that for another time? Uh, let's do that. Let's, we can do that another time. Okay. That's a big topic, so yeah. I don't want to do it lightly. <clears throat> cool. So... There it was. Maybe we'll, how about this? We'll call this part one of State of the Union American Health. And next week we will focus specifically on, uh, yeah, the the economics that are kind of driving this. Yeah, absolutely. And, <clears throat> and again, hopefully you have some practical stuff and not only how to avoid these diseases so that you're healthy but also to be able to save you some money which everybody's right so i guess kind of we can tease this a little bit united states is by far and away you know per person we spend the most money on healthcare 
any country in the world, like hands down. Yeah, it's actually thirteen thousand dollars a person per year. <laughs> there we go. And we are by no means like even what is it? Not even top five, top ten in the healthiest. Well, it depends on what they measure, but right. What mark are you looking at? Overall health, we were seventy second in the world a few years ago. So we, I know life expectancy is a little higher just because we figured out how to preserve life on yeah. machines and stuff. Uh, but as far as overall health, yeah, nowhere near the top. Uh, and we're not spending all that money to <laughs> not produce good results. Right, right. So there's a little teaser there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We'll hit on that. Cool. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hopefully next week. We're trying to do this every week. So if it's next week, 